Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Screen Streets. My name is Joel. I'm here with my buddy Cameron, and we are here to talk to you about movies from the past, present, and future. And uh, our email address is screenstreets at gmail.com. If you want to drop us a line, give us a request, comments, concerns about the podcast, we are always looking forward to hearing from you. And I'm, I'm a little tripped out right now because the app looks way different than the last time I used it. It's got a new, uh, it's got a new little, uh, you know, what's it called? Thumbnail. And the interface is a little different. Like the timer looks different. Anyway. Like, it just threw me for a loop for a second. How you doing, yes. bud? Hey, I'm, you know, I'm feeling like a villain, brother. Yeah. You know, how are you? I'm, I'm okay. It was a rough week for Screen Streets. We'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into it. Just like, not the podcast in general, just the things we had to watch were not exactly amazing. Oh, there's a little taste, huh? A little, little spoiler. But, uh... I mean, I'm shocked. You shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. But, um... Oh, yeah, I'm just chilling. I was watching a little wrestling. Having a little... Having a little smoke watching a little wrestling. What is it? Is it AEW? Is it WWE? What are I you was into? watching last night's episode of NXT. Okay. Well, That's cool. Get my Adam oh, Cole fix. Do we have any wrestling fans out there? I wonder. I, I don't think so. If, if we do, it's not any of my friends, because none of my friends watch wrestling except for you. Okay. I was going to be like, how deep should we get into this? But maybe not too deep. <laughs> not, not too deep. I don't, I don't think they care. People that aren't into wrestling tend to not be into wrestling. Like, really not into it. That was you for a very long time. That was me. That was me for years and years. Because I was suppressing myself. You just have to... You just have to... Let yourself give in to the idea that it's just like a... It's just like a movie or something, you know? It's a fun TV show. It's not attempting to be... UFC. So, that's when weird. you come I at us, actually, I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, I got into wrestling at like one of the worst times ever for wrestling, and I was so fully into it. And I'm like, it only got better from there. So I'm like, if I was fully into wrestling in 1993 when like Lex Luger was the top guy, like, yeah, <laughs> I, I had better yeah. years ahead. And uh. Now, some sad news to start off. Word on the street this week. Got a couple of uh, right. couple of deaths that happened in the acting world. Um, yeah. Hal Holbrook. Uh, he died at age 94. He, uh, he was in The Firm. Like, I know him well from The Firm. And from he uh, got an Oscar nomination for his role in Into the Wild with Emile Hirsch. Yeah, um... I don't. What was he in Into the Wild? It's been a while since I've seen that movie. All I remember from Into the Wild was Emil Hirsch by himself. No, he ran. He ran into Hal Holbrook like out in the like. I haven't seen that movie in a while either, but I remember like he befriended Hal Holbrook along the way, and like uh, 
it wasn't a big okay. it wasn't a big role in the movie but memorable memorable for sure and i'm like i think i most remember hal holbrook from from evening shade the, the early 90s sitcom evening shade that's a random one just, for all our evening shade fans yeah, out my, there my mom would watch that cbs murderers row of like sitcoms i hated as a child like evening shade <laughs> and murphy brown and and designing women oh designing women my wife watches that now or rather, she did. She went through the entire series. Your wife has very Binged eclectic it. tastes for a woman her age. Yeah. Well, she just, uh, yeah, she just had her, today's her birthday, actually. Oh. So Happy birthday. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, she does. Her favorite show of all time is I Love Lucy. We have I Love Lucy paraphernalia all over the house, kind of girling up my house. And, uh, yeah, she does. The Waltons is one she enjoys, which is terrible. It's the worst. Anyway, Hal Holbrook. Uh, all the things I've read about him said he was pl- he's played Mark Twain in yeah. various stage play uh, stuff since like the fifties. That's like yeah, like when I was like reading up on it, like everyone mentioned like his portrayals of Mark Twain above all else. Which is crazy that he's been doing it since like the fifties because it's like. He can't have looked anything like Mark Twain in the fifties, or like rather, he must twenty or thirty or something. Yeah, twenties, and I guess he just used a lot of uh, makeup and accessories. And then when he got older, he didn't have to because he actually started to look old. This is true. He he did not look like a young man at the end there. He was very old. So uh, you know, I mean, it's always sad when someone dies, but. He got to live a full life. A little bit, a little bit of sadder news for someone who died that's a little bit younger than that. Uh, Dustin Diamond passed away, better known as Samuel Screech Powers from Saved by the Bell. Yeah, like he, uh, he got like I read like three weeks ago, like he got hospitalized and like diagnosed with like stage four cancer. Like, like how how do you have stage four cancer and not know it? But, like, yeah, he, he got hospitalized, like, three weeks ago, and, like, it took him out real quick. Yeah, it is sad. I mean, not going to pretend that Dustin Diamond hasn't had his issues over the past few years, but he was only 44. Yeah. And it's one of those things you think about when you're growing up, and it's like, he's not that much older than me. And because I watched Saved by the Bell as a kid. He was the funny one. Like I, and now he's I, dead. I always felt kind of bad for him, just because like, like he he's like one of those child actors you hear about that like struggled with the rest of their life, and like he kind of just he grew up playing this like gangly, weird nerd character, and like everyone on the street just knows him as Screech, and like he has to be Screech for the rest of his life, and. Like, he got into, like, some drug issues. He got into porn for a minute. Like, he just... Yeah, he had, he had, he had yeah. a troubled adulthood after Saved by the Bell. Like, and it seems like Saved by the Bell is, like, rebooted now. And, like, it seems like everyone 
got the call, but fucking Dustin Diamond, you know, like he's kind of fallen out of favor with those people. And like after he died, like I saw like Mario Lopez posted something, Tiffany Thiessen posted something. I'm like, well, where were you like the day before? Like why? They all did. Why? Mark Paul Gosler. Yeah. They were all. Well, uh, I know Mario Lopez and him had reconnected in recent years, actually, because he'd done an interview with Mario Lopez, and they had some uh, they had some Instagram stories of them hanging out or something. Okay, so that's cool. Maybe there was one connection that happened. I think a lot of it came from Dustin Diamond. I think he wrote a book where he kind of like did a tell-all on his castmates, where he was basically talking about how who all of his you know who they were all sleeping with and stuff nah. didn't go over that i believe yeah that those tell-all books rarely like it, it seems like a good idea in the short term but they don't make you many friends yeah his uh his publicist that released his i mean he must have been friends with his publicist or something his publicist actually released a pretty touching statement about how he knew how they knew he had a image issue but you know he was still a nice guy and all this stuff so it's sad 44 way way too young obviously yeah well rest in peace Al Holbrook and Dustin Diamond yeah and then a word on the street is that Elizabeth Olsen tweeted something out about WandaVision that uh like fans can look forward to kind of a a Luke Skywalker and the Mandalorian moment that fans are really going to geek out about like later in the season huh. and like if you if you saw the Mandalorian like just people went nuts over Luke Skywalker's appearance and ass kickery and she said they have something like along those lines that fans of the MCU are really going to lose their mind about. And like, I got a lot of fans talking about like who, who could it possibly be? And like the biggest fan theory out there is that it might be Ian McKellen as Magneto. Oh, that'd be crazy. Who has never been in an MCU produced Marvel movie. Like, he's been in the, uh, because X-Men don't have their own official Marvel Studios movie yet. But, like, yeah, like, it would be, like, it would be really cool if Ian McKellen, because that uh, Magneto is Wanda's father. Right. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, it's complicated, but, yeah. It's (laughs) the comics and the movies and stuff, they kind of play around with all that stuff. But other ideas might be that it could be like Evan Peters returning as Quicksilver, or possibly. Yeah, possibly since, what's that? How would that work since Quicksilver was her brother and was already killed, and uh, that was Vision was killed too, and he's the star of the show too. <laughs> like it is a so weird world that's come back created, and created, you know. So the world would, her brother would just come back and be a different actor, I suppose. Yeah. Because he was, there was Quicksilver in the MCU and Quicksilver in the Fox movies. Totally different people. That's it was true. weird. Anyway, but yeah, if they're going to get Ian McKellen in, now would be the time to do it since he's not getting any younger. No, he's not. He's 
He's at that Hal Holbrook stage. What if they really just threw us for a curve? You know, they say a Luke Skywalker moment. What if it's Luke Skywalker just <laughs> coming, into the, coming into WandaVision? I mean, you know, it's her world. I would, I'd mark out for that. I'd be into it. Like, <laughs> then she, let's get weird with it. <laughs> She's like, I, I told you guys we're having a Luke Skywalker moment. That's what I told you. But then word on the street is that Zack Snyder is kind of going to war with his detractors a little bit. Like he, he is, he's posted a statement saying like he doesn't get into it with them because wiser men in the room have told him not to, but he would like to have a one-on-one conversation with each and every person who's ever posted something negative about the Snyder cut of the justice league saying, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm going to point out every instance you fucking said that is wrong. And I'm going to prove it to you. And I'm just like, ah, Jesus, because like (laughs) the, the, the Snyder verse of fans is very vocal. And they're they're very like, the the Snyder cut has been called a win for toxic fandom because it's yeah. like if you whine enough, like eventually like they'll just give you what you want, I guess. And Snyder went on to say, like, my my fan base is anything but toxic. Like they've raised a bunch of money for suicide awareness and like I, how dare you call out my fan base. They're they've done more for the world than anybody else's fan base. And I'm like, what the fuck are you even talking about right now, bro? Like, let's let your movie come out. I don't know why he just decided he wanted to go on this tangent. He's like, I want to call every one of you out and tell you what I think of you, but I won't. And I'm like, all right. Weird. Yeah. uh... Anything about that? I just, I think I saw, I think I saw a headline or something. I didn't click it. I rolled my eyes because I know, I mean, this isn't the first time Zack Snyder's been like this. He's always, this is kind of how he is with his, he's vocal. He's, uh, he's a bit of a, yeah, divisionist. He's like a bit he, of a hothead. A little bit. I'm just a little confused as to, his fans have raised money for suicide awareness, so they guess a small sect of them probably donated some. I don't know. Like, it didn't go into detail on that, but he said those words, and I was like, like, my fan base isn't toxic. Like, they've done more for this world than most fan bases can ever dream of. And I'm like, oh, my God, bro. Stop talking. Like, this yeah. isn't going to go where you want it to go. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's silly. I don't understand why people are so into it. I just I guess the Snyder fans are a weird bunch to me. I don't think I've seen one Zack Snyder movie that I just vehemently love and defend. Really? I I don't know. I really like the Dawn of the Dead remake. I really like 300. I mean, I liked him, sure, but, like, I'm not going to go to war for this fucking guy. No. No. That's crazy. 
That's crazy. I don't understand how people could have seen Batman v Superman and be like, I need everything this guy has to offer me on this. Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand how anyone could have watched the Justice League movie and been like, well, that's the thing. Zack Justice... Snyder should have made this whole thing, and I want to see the four-hour version that's going to be amazing. Well, that's the whole thing about Justice League, is that most of it was made by Joss Whedon, and it did suck. So that's that, that gives people the, their cause to be like, well, if Snyder made it, it would be amazing. I'm, yeah. I'm, really, I'm really curious to see how this Justice League movie comes out. It comes out next oh. month. Like we don't have to wait too long. Oh, by the way, word on the streets. I don't know if it's a, a separate word on the streets, but I didn't. Before we move on, do you have a that information that the Justice League is going to be rated R? The Snyder I Cut. Did. I did. I did see that. That's uh, <laughs> that's kind of weird. <laughs> it makes me a little more intrigued, but uh, yeah, I just want to see Superman come in like fuck. <laughs> what's going on fuck i think he'd be he'd be the one least likely to drop that line i don't know I, man i could see batman being like what's your fucking problem <laughs> <laughs> do you fucking bleed have you uh have you seen uh the witcher on netflix popular I have not. well it's played by uh, the guy who plays Superman, Henry Cavill, and his catchphrase. Fuck. So, right that, could be, that could be him. I mean, he just, every inca- situation he encounters, he's just kind of like, mm, fuck. That's so, my catchphrase, too. Yeah. It's a common catchphrase. that every day. Yeah, you do. I can't uh, get finally, you. Finally, word on the street. Is that the Golden Globe nominees were announced? Yeah, and there are a few notable snubs and a few surprises. Like um, a lot of people seem to be up in arms over the fact that Emily in Paris was nominated, and the HBO Max series "I May Destroy You" was not. Like, I have not seen I May Destroy You, but I've heard very good things. And it's just, it's a very dark, humor-laden portrayal of, like, a rape victim. And it's it's supposedly out of this world good. Like, I just have not gotten around to it yet. But I have watched an episode of Emily in Paris, and I, I can understand if there's this amazing show out there why you would be angry that Emily in Paris got the nod. Because it's very white privilege, like just white girl in Europe living her dreams, and it's it's very fluffy and not not acclaim worthy. I wouldn't think. Okay, uh, <laughs> who's in Emily in Paris? Anyone? Uh, Lily Collins is the main okay. star. Okay. Yeah, uh, I don't know either of those shows. Yeah, every I don't even heard of either of those shows. To be honest. But then uh, James Corden was nominated for the prom, which I, which I found interesting because, like, I remember when that movie came out, 
he was getting there was a lot of like controversy about his performance and people saying he's not gay but he's playing like this offensive gay character in the movie and like it's like gay people were not okay with it and like i didn't hear anything good about his performance like people were just like fuck james corden fuck this movie and he got nominated, I mean, and that surprised me. You know me, since the beginning, I've said, fuck James Corden. Uh, James Corden is the most talentless jerk piece of shit. He's the worst. Yeah, it I'm makes me him. upset that he was nominated. I haven't seen the movie, but I, I, I agree with everybody that says he was terrible in it. <laughs> I just assume. Also, you know, I was going to say, I don't, you know, correct, but his gay face, the gay face problem, I don't really think that's a problem. All right. So, you know me and James Corden, and I say, you got to let actors play what they're not. Like, you got to let straight actors play gay or gay actors play straight if you start going down that rabbit hole it's it's a problem i think i think it's a problem it's going to be silly if you only let specific people play very specific things well i think and i think the point was that he played it offensively it's like offensively flamboyantly gay i haven't seen it so i don't know right Well, the other thing is, the, the less politically correct thing, is that James Corden is gay. I mean, you watch him for a minute, you know he's gay. He's obviously gay. That guy's gay. Anyway, yeah. It's not, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying he should, he should come out because he's gay. I will opt not to discuss that. <laughs> because if he's not... That's just that's okay. a bad look for, yeah. But he he says he's not. He's he like, is. He, I get he identifies. But he is not gay, even if he is. I don't know. <laughs> have you watched? Uh, have you watched one carpool karaoke? Karaoke. And then you know. Let's not. Let's stop. Let's stop beating around the bush here. Anyway. But um, yeah. Yeah, and, like, the other notable snub was that, like, it was almost a lock. Like, people were penciling it in that, like, Spike Lee and Delroy Lindo were going to get nominated for The Five Bloods. And, like, that movie got just, was, like, nowhere to be found. And people were just like, what happened there? Like, I saw it, and it was good, and it was a great performance by Delroy Lindo. I was, like, people were saying, like, him for the Oscars, him for the Golden Globes, like nomination, and yeah, they weren't, they weren't anywhere to be found as well. That's too bad. I haven't seen the movie, but I do like me some Delroy oh, Lindo. Watch it then; he's great in that movie. I've been a fan since Congo. Do you do. remember him in Congo, where he's like, "Stop eating my sesame cake." <sighs> That's that's Delroy Lindo on Congo, yeah, folks. He plays like He's a Trump-loving Vietnam veteran in that movie. Yeah, he's a very weird, like, make America great again kind of kind of black dude going back 
to to the jungle with his friends to find some gold that they left there. It's a good movie. I recommend it. I liked it. But uh, I'm sure Spike Lee has some thoughts. Probably, probably says Golden Globes are a little racist, and it's especially weird because like this year's would like Golden Globe ambassadors, they always have like some celebrities children as like their like ambassadors or whatever i don't know what that means necessarily but i've seen it at the golden globes where their kids come out and this year's at spike lee's kids so like that was especially weird that like yeah your kids will be our golden globe ambassadors you're not getting shit else though (laughs) so i don't know yeah yeah that that does it for word on the street this week that's what i got and uh with that we move on to four-year consideration in which Cameron and I each select a movie for the other to watch that we enjoyed that they have not seen. And Cameron, why don't you start us off this week? What, what did you watch? <laughs> All right. You had me watch uh, 2016 film Other People, which stars Jesse Plemons, uh, Molly Shannon, Bradley Whitford. Uh, but the main person is Jesse Plemons, who plays David. And David is a writer in uh, New York, or he's trying to be a writer. He's trying to write for, like, a show. He's trying to write for shows that aren't getting picked up. And then he ends up moving back home for a little while because his mom, played by Molly Shannon, has cancer. And she's going through a bunch of stuff. And, uh... That's kind of the whole movie. I mean, it's it's one of it's those character study. life movies. It's kind of one of those yeah. life movies like that. And uh, I ended up liking the movie. Right on. I ended I up was, liking I was it. Concerned. I was. I wasn't sure where you would fall on this one because it's like not like I like you said. Not a lot happens. It's a very slice of life. Just this period in this guy's life where he's like taking care of his sick mom and dealing with being like a gay man whose father doesn't accept him. Yeah. I'd say it didn't grab me right away, but just as the movie went along, I just, I just, yeah, I ended up connecting and liking it. And Jesse Plemons was yeah, fantastic. Was I mean, fantastic. I thought like all the lead performances. You can say were great. I thought Molly Shannon and Bradley Whitford were really fucking good too. Yeah. Yeah. They were good. It's just one of those movies where it's like it's definitely most focused on Jesse Plemons, Correct. David, the main guy. So yeah, the other the all the other performances, like Molly Shannon, obviously she gets her you know, her dying her dying acting role and it's she's really good. And then Bradley Whitford, I thought it was fantastic as always. He was very like kinda understated. He didn't have any huge like moments, but He's a yeah. great actor, Bradley Whitford. I've enjoyed him very much since seeing him in uh, what was it? Uh, the, which which Adam Sandler movie was he Billy in? Billy Madison, was he the bad guy. Billy Madison, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love, yeah, yeah. I've I've been a fan ever since. But yeah, like the 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 scene, like like you don't get it really till the end with with Bradley Whitford and David. Like they kind of. David just like lets him have it, lets him be like, I'm your son, and like you don't care 
like I took you to New York and you waited outside my fucking apartment because you didn't want to come into like my boyfriend's apartment. Yeah, that that scene was probably the best scene. There was a couple scenes that like Jesse Plemons really did like blow me away. Like that scene and then the scene at the grocery store when he's looking for laxatives and has like a total yeah, meltdown. Like a panic attack. Yeah. That was very visceral. It was great. Yeah, the acting was fantastic. Like I said, there was a Yeah, not a lot other than that happening. Yeah, it was like Jesse Plemons is like one of my <laughs> it's one... one of my guys for the 2010s. Like he's just been like a dude that I've rooted for ever since like I first saw him on Friday Night Lights, the television show, and he was my favorite character on that show. And he's just like right. such a good actor with such a fucking range. That, like, I'm always excited to see him in something. It's pretty great. I was introduced to him in Breaking Bad a little later. And then I went back and watched Friday Night Lights, and he was great in that. But, yeah, he's great in Breaking Bad, too, man, as Todd. Like, to have his agent. (laughs) Like, like you go from Friday Night Lights to Breaking Bad to Fargo. (laughs) Like... Kinda his agent kills the game. <laughs> and didn't he marry Kirsten he Dunst? That's he he's killing it, man. And good for killing him. It. Like I'm I'm very happy for him. I I like the guy a lot and like I'm glad he's continuing to get more and more work. Because every time he's in something, like he's one of the standout parts of it for me. Yeah. There was some there was some pretty funny stuff. There was a few funny moments in the movie, but it, overall it was more a more a drama, a little bit of a drama comedy, but more a drama. And it was kind of like the the yeah, anti like, Ladybird because I live in Sacramento and like if Ladybird was like the the love letter to Sacramento, like this movie takes place in Sacramento and it's mostly about how much fucking David hates Sacramento and hates being there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like when he went on his on his one like Tinder date or whatever, and the guys he's like, "Oh, the Sacramento sucks," and the guys like, uh, "I like it. It's all good to me." That was a pretty funny scene when he went and threw up all over the bathroom yeah. and was cleaning it up. And it, like he went to like a gay club, and it was like the most depressing, like nothing happening gay club you've ever seen. And I'm like, dude, I don't live that far from the gay clubs here. And those gay clubs in Sacramento are popping off. So, like, I don't know what gay club they (laughs) tried to portray, but that is not a Sacramento gay club. The gay clubs here have their own, like, district, their own, like, block, their own city block. It's called the Lavender District. And they have fun down there. So, like, I, I thought that was a little out of tune with what my experience in this city has been. But yeah. I enjoyed uh, his friend, his gay friend, and then his gay friend had a gay, a very, very gay younger brother who was who, uh, like when his father was having a birthday, did this dance where he was just 
humping the air everywhere. And <laughs> Dave, should we be? We should be going to jail, right? Yeah. Like, what's going on? Here? <laughs> like that was that was strange for me. I had this little brother that was just the most flamboyant little kid, and I'm just like, how did what? Where did this kid come from? And like you could tell, like uh, Jesse that's... Clemens was super uncomfortable around this kid all the time. He's like. Like the like the first time you met the kid at the end, the kid's like, "Give me a hug." We hug around here. Give me, give me a hug. And Jesse Plum's like, "All right." Like what? Yeah, fun fact. That's uh, that's Josie Tota, um, who is now on Saved by the Bell and is trans. She's a she's a she in now. In real life or on the show? In both, in real life and in the show, and and on okay. Saved by the Bell. But I did not know that that. Actress and is yeah, had a change. Which watching the movie, it's it's yeah, it's easy to see. All right, well, what would you give other people? I give it a solid 7.5. It's a solid movie. It was like I said, it didn't grab me right away, but by the time you know, there's some scenes where you're invested, and then Jesse Plemons has a few scenes that really kind of blow you away. Yeah, I think I would give it like an eight. Like, I, it's a really good character study about just this guy struggling with his mom's death and his father that doesn't really get it. Yeah, so that was good. Yeah, it's on. It's on Netflix. I never even heard of it. Other people. Yep. And then you had me continuing the uh, Cameron makes Joel cross movies off his list of shame series. It's another classic yeah. that I have not seen following Jaws and Alien. You had me watch A Clockwork Orange, which I had never seen mm-hmm. before. Yeah, can you please explain the plot of A Clockwork Orange to I me, I mean, Joel? yeah. <laughs> like, it's about this guy named Alex who is yeah. a member of, like, a street gang. Like, he... He rapes women, he murders people, like he's just he's a bad guy. And he gets arrested around the midpoint of the movie and they offer to him to like rehabilitate him so that like he won't be so sex crazed and violence crazed anymore and they like it's like the the catalyst for all those scenes you've seen in movies of like someone like having their eyes held open and watching like disturbing imagery and like like this is the movie that like started that like it just yeah. they they like hold his eyes open and make him watch all this shit to like rehabilitate you know how he reacts in these situations And right. I don't know, like, that's kind of the gist without, like, spoiling the ending. Kind of, yeah. And, yeah. like, I don't know. My thoughts on this are complicated. It takes place in the, the future. It, uh, yeah. It's from it's 1971. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, like my thoughts are complicated because, like, okay, I think get into Stanley it, baby. Kubrick kind of gets a pass a lot of the time 
for like creating really like lasting and impressive imagery and like the the yeah yeah the his movies are always very interesting to look at and this is no different yeah this one but like yeah very interesting i don't know like i i texted you the other day and you <laughs> you were like said something along the lines of like you better like it you fucking shit bird like i it's a classic kubrick movie like the and I'm just like, I didn't know your <laughs> thoughts were that yeah. uh, visceral towards this movie. Because, like, when I told you I hadn't watched it a few weeks ago, you were just like, all right, I'll add it to the list. Like, you didn't seem to be like, oh, my God, you haven't seen this? Like, so I was a little taken aback by your your hard stance on it. Okay, well, I didn't know... <laughs> I'm being a little preemptive. I got to be honest because I don't, I haven't, sometimes I just, I I give you this movie and I'm like, oh, Joel's going to hate this movie. And then I'll get in my head like, well, he fucking shouldn't hate this movie. (laughs) I love this movie. Although, yeah, I can see why you wouldn't. It's, it's takes place in the future. And then, but they still, they use very different kind of language. The way they talk is not a way that, normal people talk which is something i'm fine with since i like fantasy stuff but i can understand it like a a normal person like yourself might be put off when they're like oh give me some egg yeah i I was you are correct i was put off by like that just this like cockney nonsense way of speaking that i'm just like you'd be like oh i got a poly wally in your fraggle draggle and i'm like what what okay (laughs) I don't know. For me, it gives it a little bit of a like a poetic leaning. I loved it because it's like <laughs> when he's when he's when he when they encounter the rival gang, and he's like, "Oh, come and get one in the yobbles. If ye have any yobbles, you eunuch jelly I'm thou." Like, shit like <laughs> that. I'm just like I I yeah, glob up stinking I chip don't oil. Care. I'm like I'm reading the subtitles, going like. Yeah, he said what I thought he fucking said. And, like, I, I don't know, that, like you said, you're fine with it. I'm not that fine with that. Like, I want to understand where my fucking characters are coming from. And, like, I I don't, like I said, it's complicated. Like, I don't hate the movie or anything, but, like, like I said, I think Kubrick gets a pass on like his imagery and like the things he puts on screen where like sometimes it's like this is seemed to me like a case of like sub- style over substance. Like he was very like this is no the most self-indulgent Stanley Kubrick film that I've seen where he's like I'm just going to No, what have you seen eyes wide shut? What's that? Have you seen Eyes Wide Shut? Okay. If you're going to talk about self-indulgence. Anyway. uh, I'm just saying. This is based off a classic novel. I think it's better than the novel. And come on, man. Malcolm McDowell is Alex. A young, young Malcolm McDowell. He's killing it. Like, I did not find the sympathy towards the back half of the movie that I think they were expecting me to feel toward him because I'm like this guy's a piece of shit what 
you, I don't really think there's supposed to be much sympathy I, there. Like it seemed like that because it seemed like he's supposed to be this like rehabilitated guy who like, like at the end of the movie, like he ends up like running into his old gangmates who are like cops now, and they about drown him in this trough, and then he ends up like, like finding this house and like banging on the door and he enters this house and he realizes it's the house of like this couple that like he mercilessly beat and like raped the woman. So he's like, yeah, in the, actually, like, I don't even know if he realized that, like, I, like it just, I realized that he did. He did in the very beginning and then, and then real, and then thought he was in the clear. But then he starts singing, singing in the rain. And like I, I won't lie to you when I say singing in the rain has been playing in my goddamn head for a week now, in the worst possible way. <laughs> it kind of it kind of puts that song and that whole <laughs> in a totally like different just, light. Like, laying in bed at night, singing in the rain, and I'm like, I don't like what's happening in my head. But like, I don't know. It felt to me like they were trying to paint him as like he's better now and he's just better person and i'm like no dude like this dude who's like crippled now once he realized who that was like i he i wanted him to kill that motherfucker he's like you raped my wife and like beat us down and like fuck you he tried he tried he tried torturing him and killing him uh, it was you know. strange, dude. Hey, you it was know when... a very strange, like, I was not in the headspace to take in something that odd for that long. Like, it was just unrelentingly strange. And I'm just like, what? what is happening now? Like, what? Like, I would have to take breaks and just be like, I need to, like, think about the things I just saw. Yeah, it's not a an exactly like a straightforward movie. It's a a lot of symbolism, things like that. I mean, every like everything in the movie has some kind of meaning. If you look into it, it's it's one of those things where it's like, man, this is really genius. But I understand if you're like just coming from a straightforward right. movie perspective. Yeah, it it might it might seem a little a little odd. Hey, you know when he when he shows up at that house again and that bodybuilder yeah. guy carries him in? That's uh that's David Prowse. That, that's the that's that's Darth I Vader. That. Yeah. Or the body of Darth Vader. Obviously, because James Earl Jones is the voice. That would have been cool if it was a jacked up James Earl Jones carrying him around. James Earl Jones was fairly jacked back then. Oh, yeah. Remember Conan? Like seventy one. He would have been pretty big. All right. I don't know. I it's hard for me to put what I thought about this movie into words cuz it just consistently like baffled me and like beat me over the head with like disturbing images. Do you like the do you like the music, the classical music? A lot of Beethoven. A lot of Beethoven. Alex is obsessed with Beethoven. A little bit of the old Ludwig van. I mean, yeah, I guess I like that. Like, I didn't like that it was, 
it's it's so hard for me to talk about this movie like it was very strange and very like like i'm just thinking back on it now and being like oh yeah that scene where like beethoven would play and he'd be like they'd be playing to like torture him yeah because when they were doing the uh the rehabilitation when they were showing him the violent images on screen they just happened to have beethoven music as like background so as a as a result beethoven became unbearable to him i don't know man i think i would give it like a six okay i mean i'm really mad at you but i'm gonna keep it together for the podcast when the podcast is over i'll send you a bunch of texts telling you piece of shit you are or whatever you know We'll keep it still for now. I, like, I, I will not hey, be we're... bullied into upping my score. Um, okay. I give it like an eight. All right. Which isn't huge, and it's not like a huge one because I, to me, also it's a little aged. But yeah, those images and stuff those those are some lasting images, man. Like the classic, like Alex at the milk bar. You see that image everywhere. Yeah. Of his face, like it opened. It's like it, one of those opened stuff. on that, and I was like, "Okay, this looks. This is a really cool shot." Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's. I, I'll say, you know, you may not have loved it, but I think you're better off having yeah, seen it's, it. It's definitely one of those movies that's like a certified classic that I just had never seen. So, thank you for recommending it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks for recommending other people. Sounds like I got a little more mileage out of oh, than good. you did. All right, folks. That brings us to screen or screen streets. That brings us to Main Street. Yeah, where we watch some new movies that are recently released for you guys, and we have three of them this week. And let's start out just because I want to get it out of the way. Let's start out with the dig. <laughs> yeah. Cameron, will you describe The Dig? Um, The Dig is a movie where they dig. The end. That's it. Okay, can we move on? All right. The Dig is Ray Fiennes plays Basil Brown. And he comes to a property owned by Miss Pretty and played by Carrie Mulligan. And she has all these lumps of like hills on her land and she's like i think there's something in these like can you dig them out and he's because basil brown is an excavator so he's like okay and then he does and they find a a ship from the dark ages and that's that's it i mean this isn't a movie with a lot of stuff uh how much did you love the dig joel an interesting thing happened to me, like a, a phenomenon happened to me that happens once in a while when I watch movies. It's rare, but it happens once in a while. Elaborate. Where I'm watching a movie, like my eyes don't leave the screen for a minute. I listen to every word, and it just plays right through my brain. Like my brain just doesn't take it in doesn't give a fuck 
I'm like, I'm looking at everything. I'm listening to everything. And as soon as it's said, I'm like, all right, I don't care. Like, I don't know who thought this was a story that needed to be told. (laughs) Yeah. But they literally (laughs) just, he finds a ship and then they think it's of like royal significance and another team tries to take over the dig and there's like a love affair story in there and I'm just watching it and time is ticking away in my life. That's the weirdest. Okay. So the love affair, it starts when team starts taking over and that's like halfway through the movie with new characters. (laughs) Like who are these people? I don't give a fuck about like you're just that's such a weird thing to do and then they expect you to just instantly care but yeah this movie it's the i'd say it's the second most boring world war 2 era drama starring ray fines because english patient is i have never ugh, seen that. is barf city oh good for you it's 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 longer than the dig so I, therefore it's worse i don't but, know i just i didn't care this movie's man. Like, I was watching it. I watched every minute of it. And, like, I was just like, is it over? Like, I don't care about any of this. And, like, I it has, like, an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm like, why? What? Well, you know, it's a period. People, people that love period pieces just love period pieces, man. And it's a period piece. And all the costuming is well done. It you can say pretty, that, like the English the movie. countryside, whatever. It looked nice. Yeah, it looked pretty-ish. I mean, you can say that because there's like two locations. I mean, there's Miss Pretty's house, and then there's the dig site. Yeah, I guess it didn't look that pretty. It was mostly just piles of dirt. <laughs> yeah, and the dig. There is literally a lot of digging. You're watching people dig for a solid. I don't know. Twenty minutes is just people digging in the dirt. To what you thought in this because, movie? Like I know you like historical things. You're kind of a history buff, and I'm just I was wondering how how deep that history love lies. It stops short of this. I gotta be honest, because it's like you said. Who who thought this was a story that needed to be told? And why waste talents like Ray Fiennes? I don't know, man. You know, it's like ugh, I think this ugh. is like this is like for Ray Fiennes though. These kind of roles, like he's just like, oh yes, like he reads these scripts and he's just like, absolutely, call my agent. Because he's in a bunch of them. Yeah, it's he's just a boring guy and doing boring things i like him when he's more of a villain like in a you know schindler's list or in bruges those are those yeah, are my same. ray fines i don't i don't like ray fines when he's like boy ma'am i would like to dig up your property just like the, if it's not too much trouble then give me some credit just, when he plays like the everyman kind of english guy he's oh my god it's like watching paint dry it really is and I guess it's good acting because maybe there's people like that or there were people but I don't 
care. Miss Pretty was dying. That's something that was happening. I didn't really care. The biggest like conflict Sorry. of the movie was this other dig team showing up to be like, Hey, like this is a historical site now. Like we're gonna have to take over. And he's like, I'm sorry, but Miss Pretty is the one that hired me, and she's the only one that can relieve me of my duties. And I'm just like, that's like the biggest yeah. fight in the whole fucking movie. <laughs> Buddy, you need to do accents more often. Can you? <laughs> that was <laughs> relieve me of my duties. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, this movie is boring. It's boring. It's I don't know yeah. what else to say. It's, it's yeah. It's mostly it's about a short digging. Review. This movie like not much happened. There's not much to talk about. They dig and brush around dirt for two hours. Yeah, I'm gonna say four point five, and that only because it's competently made and it looks good. Everyone's in period appropriate clothing. The acting is fine. It's just not for me. I don't know, man. I give it like a two. Like I was bored to death. I thought it was just shit. Like it was. I feel you. It was beyond fucking boring. I watched the whole thing and it was just like. I was like, I wonder what I'm going to eat for dinner tonight. (laughs) Like my mind would just wander. It could not be bothered to pay attention to this fucking movie. It's a tough one. Some of these movies for this podcast, you really have to like, because I'm like, I know I need to talk about this. I need to pay attention to what's happening. And my mind is like, no, you don't. Not this one. (laughs) I'm like, all right. So, yeah. It's still in the top 10 on Netflix. It's still doing pretty good. So, people are are liking it, man. I think we're in the minority. I've never really liked period pieces. Like, they just... Anytime you see like the Victorian era clothing or like dust bowl setting, I'm like, ugh, another one. I do only if it's a story worth telling. And this wasn't a story worth telling. Although if there's any uh, screen streeters out there that thought this was a good movie, I'd actually like to hear from you. Tell me, tell us why we're dumb. Go for it. Email us. Facebook us. Because I want to know, what are we missing? Culture. We're missing culture, Joel. Yeah, that's, that's got to be it. Anyway, on to the second movie. We watched uh, Cutthroat City on Netflix, which is basically about a group of friends living in the Lower Ninth Ward in Louisiana right after Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. And... They can't seem to get ahead in life no matter what they do. Like, it's just their lives are getting shittier and shittier following Hurricane Katrina and, like, hurricane relief and everything not coming through. And they decide to kind of pull off a heist, a casino heist. And, like, that's their big plan of, like, we're going to score a bunch of loot and our lives are going to be better. And, like, it's it's basically just, like, a crime movie set in post-Katrina New Orleans. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't, I didn't love it. Okay. I, but I definitely didn't hate it. Like, there were a lot of things to like about it. <clears throat> 
I thought it was a I thought I it was a little liked bit dizzy. It. Like there were a lot of fucking characters and like a lot of different motivations going on in this movie. That kind of just like Yeah. Like there was a little too much happening for my liking, but like there's there's a stellar fucking supporting cast in this movie. You have like Terrence Howard and Ethan Hawke and Wesley Snipes. Like Yeah, there like is they spent some money on yeah, I, go for it. TI. I was just saying TI, the rapper TI. Which I gotta be honest, the weirdest thing, I do I know TI isn't a good person. Like there's been some yeah. reports recently that's out of TI as just as a somewhat uncool guy, yeah. I don't would say. But if I'm being honest, in the movie, I thought TI was the most interesting part. I agree. Like I think he was the best character in the movie. The, like I he was he was captivating. Cousin played cousin, kind of the the local mob boss guy or little gang leader who uh ropes them in and gets them to do the casino job. But yeah, the main guy, the main guy of the friends is named Blink. Right. And he was fine. He was fine. Played by Shamik Moore. Him. Yeah, I thought he was fine. Like he's I just, an my problem comic book creator who just, who can't seem to get any traction for his comic book. So he's like, I guess I'll just rob a casino. A lot of it was a lot of my problem with the movie, I guess, was just like caring too much about the characters because I just every time I would, they'd I just they'd do dumb things and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't connect with them. I was confused. These were like these are characters probably in their like 20s or something. And then when there's a detective chasing them, they keep calling them kids They're like these kids didn't want to do this. It's like nobody no cop would ever talk like this ever after they like pull a heist and shoot people and stuff and they're like these are just kids like that's not how the world works i don't know not usually if someone's if someone turned 18 that day it's like this is a man who is a bad guy a man with a gun that's shooting at me like ah this rascal Yeah, I don't know. And then the the supporting characters you talk about, I mean, it's like Ethan Hawke turns in what's a good performance, but I don't understand like if he's needed. Like, sometimes I feel like he's detracts from the story. I understand he's part of it, like he's the councilman. I agree with that. I did. I did enjoy him though. Like, I thought he was very good in the movie. Yeah, he gives a good performance. But yeah, when he when when he shows up, it's like, all right, can we get back to the story story? Like he's he's doing like a thing where he's grieving over his wife. And I'm like, this this is a character we don't know that much about. It's kind of a weird thing. I didn't I didn't like Terrence Howard. I thought he was given a little bit of an overblown performance. I think he does that sometimes. He was chewing the scenery a little bit. Yeah, a little bit too much. Where he's he plays the saint. Yeah, Terrence Howard. He can he he can be good, but he can also rub me the wrong way. And in this one, he just he kind of rubbed me the wrong way with his. Ah, oh, I am a man of culture, boys. Yeah, you should do more accents too. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. 
I gotta be. I was a. I was a little confused. If we're getting spoilers, I was a little confused about the ending. So, <laughs> it shows him like robbing FEMA and then getting shot to death, and then it shows him like at a comic book convention for his comic. I don't understand that at all. <laughs> and it shows Wesley Snipes, in like finding meeting his granddaughter for the first time or whatever, and it's like, wait. Are they dead, or is it a book, or what's going on? I'm confused. Like maybe it's one of those like Dan Connor from Roseanne like deaths, where it's like, oh, but he actually was a very successful comic book writer. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then the very ending, where it's like Wesley Snipes. I'm like, if he was me and his granddaughter, I'm assuming Blink would be there. You know, if he was alive. So I don't. I didn't know how to take it, which annoyed me. I don't know. Yeah, like the ending, like is bleak. Like not many people survived this movie. Also, it was kind of laughable when Plink got shot at the end because he got shot like, like take Willem Dafoe and Platoon yeah. and times it in. Yeah, <laughs> he must have had like two hundred squibs on him or something because he got shot a million times. And he just, yeah, his arms were outstretched going, ah! It was silly. I know there's a scene there's a scene you wanted to talk about. Oh. Well, there's a couple. One, one, before I get to that, which is my, the ultimate scene I wanted to talk about, I just wanted to talk about the characters and why I couldn't connect with them. So, yeah, we're supposed to care about Blink and his friends, right? Right. And they're on this journey, and then they start independently hitting all these other casinos, which was a problem for me. It's like, okay, now they're just, they're legitimate, like, robbers and jerks. These aren't yeah. good guys. These aren't kids. Like, like, they keep calling them kids. Ethan Hawke and the detective, they're like, these kids. And that annoyed me. And then they went to a strip club and it showed them with, like, lighting a $100 bill on fire. It's like, how am I supposed to care? About yeah. this character and his his poverty plight, if he's lighting hundred dollar bills on fire at the strip club, fuck this guy. I think he was kind of meant to be like the antagonist within that group. I thought he was like just the leader. Yeah, he was. He was kind of a shithead. But anyway, yeah. The, the, the main point I only wrote down one thing for the movie, which was um, Ti. <laughs> he his his gangster operation they have a they have a ring of fighting raccoons which is weird yeah <laughs> like they have rabid raccoons that fight each other and then when they find out a guy can't pay when he loses he's forced to walk the plank <laughs> which <laughs> which is this is in this movie uh the man is forced at gunpoint to take off his pants and stick his private parts in a raccoon cage and the raccoon bites his junk off. <laughs> bites his dick off. It's, uh... It was wild. Like, it, it was pretty fucking wild. That was like, what? I was just that like, was one of the most rad things. what kind of movie this is. Okay. Like, he's just yeah. like, walk the plank, dude. Pull, pull your dick out, put it in the cage. Let my, let my, let my boy go to town on it. I'm just <laughs> like, that's, that's a bit comical. I'm like, I don't Weird. like, 
I didn't think gang members had a sense of humor like that. Crime bosses. <laughs> we, uh, we, like I said before, we don't really talk about these movies before the podcast, but I just couldn't help texting Joel like, what the fuck is this movie? And he, I'm like, when you get to it, you'll know. And you knew. <laughs> you knew. That was insane. Well, it's not every day you see that. You see a raccoon biting a guy's dick off. Yeah. It was, yeah, I don't know. Like, I enjoyed it. Like, I had fun with it, but it had a lot of problems at the same time. Yeah, like, for me, I was. it was like I was along for the ride, but the problems were really, <laughs> really giving me pause at every moment. So I'd say I liked it overall just because I was along for the ride, but yeah. What would you give it? I think I'd give it like a six. Okay, I'll go like 5.5. Like, I liked it a little more than average, but... It's an average, like, if you're in the in the mood for like a, a crime heist kind of gangster movie, like, you could do worse, you could do better. Yeah, I agree. And finally, that brings us to HBO Max and Warner Brothers' latest release, The Little Things. Cameron, what is The Little Things about? The Little Things is about Joe Deke, Deacon, played by Denzel Washington. And he's a, he's like just a beat cop, an older beat cop in this tiny little town. And he gets sent on like a... He has to pick up evidence in uh, is L.A.? Shit, I forget. Or San Francisco? No, it's L.A. Okay, L.A., yeah. He's he's made to go pick up some evidence or something. Do something in L.A. And he goes to L.A. where he's known. Like, he used to work there as, like, a murder detective. And he gets kind of just wrapped up in this, in this, next, in this other guy's case, this... Uh, Baxter, Jim Baxter, played by Rami Malek, who's the detective, who's the main detective there now. So they, he recognizes him as like, hey, you're a dude who had some talent. I don't know what happened. You seem to be disliked by a lot of older people in this department, but I'm going to take you along for this ride. And there's a bunch of women that are being killed and they're investigating that. And Denzel Washington is obsessive. You're, he's obsessive about these sorts of things. And that's just these two guys going over this case. And that's that's the kind of overall gist of it. And uh, how did you like the little things, Joel? Um, I don't know, man. Like, it I feel like there was a good movie in there that was kind of like lost. Feel you? Like it. I wanted to like it more than I did. I think some of the performances were really good. I just. The overall story arc of these characters was not in any way like satisfying for me. Yeah. And like, I just. There was like a redemption arc to be had for like Denzel Washington that just never fucking happened. And like, 
I thought Jared Leto gave a great performance for what was not that great of a movie. Yeah. You know, I'd say Jared Leto was actually pretty great, even though I'd say he made some really strong acting choices. Yeah. <laughs> like he's a, like I dug it though. I did too. Like I, the way he walked <laughs> was just this. He would like kind of waddle, and he had this little pot belly, and he looked he looked creepy as hell. He looked a million times more creepy than he did as the Joker in Suicide Squad. Absolutely. His face is like he was. Super he was a definite gone. creep. Yeah. Like, it was like he was their main suspect, and they would not let go of it. No matter how little evidence they had, like, he was their guy, and they were going to nail him. Because he's a weirdo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, he was, like, obsessed with crime, and, like, he came across as, like, a dude that probably did this shit. Yeah. Like, they would be interrogating him, and he would not at all act like an innocent person <laughs> like he'd just he'd be very like antagonistic and aggressive with them and like give them little little jabs and I'm like what are you doing man I'm like if you didn't do this shit why are you like uh fuck you how about that oh here comes a big bad man and I'm like you're like if you're innocent what the fuck are you doing He's a weirdo, man. Yeah. But, yeah, I thought he was great. I thought Denzel was fantastic, as always. He's Denzel. He's always going to give a good performance. And uh, Rami Malek was okay. You know, I, I texted you a little bit about this. I think Rami Malek's actually a good actor, but I just think he has such a distinctive thing about him. It's hard to, like, just... Because he's like Egyptian or something, isn't he? Or something like that. Sure. I'm not sure. He has... It's just weird to see him. It's like seeing Arnold at Schwarzenegger when he was in the 80s. Like, oh, I'm just uh, I'm just your average cop from L.A. Or something, yeah. you know? <laughs> not quite that bad. <laughs> but it's like Rami Malek has this interesting way of talking where I'm like, this guy's not like a U.S. or, you know, born guy. Like, yeah, like you're, you're not from around here, are you? Yeah, it's it's a it's a hard one to do. Like I thought I could do a, a Rami Malek accent, but I don't really think I can. He just he has a very distinct way of talking where he really hits all his points very hard. And he, yeah, he just kind of talks like that. Kind of weird, just a little off. Have you ever seen Mr. Robot? No, I haven't. I've heard good things. It's a great series and he's great in it. And like that affectation of his voice works very well for that character. But, like, yeah, the more I see him, I'm like, he is a good actor, but, like, it's hard to separate, like, because he, that wasn't an affectation for that character in Mr. Robot. That's just the way he fucking talks. Yeah. Like, even when he's Freddie Mercury, he still has that cadence to his speech. Yes. A little strange, but, yeah, overall, I thought he was fine. I thought there were some great scenes in the movie, like some really tense, because it's like a tension, like the tension. It's it's there's a lot of it. There's a scene where uh, Denzel Washington is trailing Jared Leto on the highway, and Jared Leto pulls over, and then 
he drives past him and then they just kind of have this little cat and mouse game on the highway. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I remember seeing that in the trailer and being like, ooh, this is going to be a good movie. And then it just kind of never reached it. Never got there for me. Yeah. I I thought I saw I, I liked I liked I and had a good time watching it up until the end. I'd say the end really fumbled it for me. Like yeah, I, no I hate shit. saying that about all these movies. No, I feel like shit. I say that about a lot the of movies. Ending was awful. It was, it was almost comical. It was so dumb. It was like okay, so Rami Malek's character, he's approached by Jared Leto, and he's like, okay. I'll show you where the body is if I drive you by yourself to the middle of the desert. And Rami Malek's like, okay. It's like, what? No. No. You don't do that. Like, when Jared Leto says, hey, I'll show you where the body is, you can be like, hey, you're under arrest. You just admit it. Right? But, but then he's out there with him, and Jared Leto's like, I'm just fucking with you. I didn't kill anybody, bro. <laughs> I'm just like, who is this fucking guy? Yeah. He's like, I never killed nobody. And then Rami Malek kills him. He's like, I'm going to smash you in the face with this shovel. And then fucking Denzel goes out there. And he's like, remember, it's the little things that get you caught. And I'm like, ah, he said the thing. He did say the thing. They said the thing a few times. You'll like, it's the little things that'll get them. Yeah, at the end of the fucking movie, like, the very end, like, you see, like, Denzel Washington sent Remy Malik a, like, barrette that was, like, in the girl's hair or whatever. Yeah, to make it look like... We had the right guy. And then it shows him, like, with a freshly bought pack of barrettes. Like, he just was like, I'm gonna send him this thing so he doesn't, like... I guess obsessed like I did over my case for the rest of his fucking life. Yeah, I don't. I thought you, the ending was fucking stupid. You found out that Denzel, he had a dark past. Like when he was investigating murders before, like he ended up stumbling upon a murder scene where there's some murder girls, and then there was an alive girl that startled him, and he shot her. And yeah. the department helped him cover it up, and kind of that's why he got kicked out of that area they covered it up and then moved him out of town and that's why they that's why the older people didn't like him you find out uh, it was uh, there was some interesting stuff there like i said but yeah that ending with rami malik it was just i think they were supposed to like say he's so obsessed but i didn't feel that at that point i felt that denzel was obsessed like Denzel yeah, was like the I, one. I understood Denzel's obsession. I did not really get that feeling from Rami Malik. Yeah, like Denzel, they had scenes of him like in bed, staring at pictures on the wall, just staring at them and seeing these girls' faces and stuff. Very clearly illustrating that he's obsessed. But I guess Rami Malik was supposed to be too. And I'm, yeah, because no sane person would just go with this guy into the middle of nowhere. And then when they reached, and then he just kept digging. He kept like we dug so much, like he dug more than the people in the dig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was just digging hole after hole after hole, and until Jared Leto's like, "I didn't actually kill anybody. There's no bodies out here, bro." <laughs> I'm just like, "What the fuck? What?" Yeah, 
You needed to call Basil Brown. You need to get Ray Fiennes out there. But excavate that shit, man. Well, that's the thing is when okay, maybe you do it by your you go out by yourself, but then when you reach the site and Jared Leto's like, Hey, the body's right here, man. You go, Oh, okay. You're under arrest right now, and I'm gonna get an excavating site or or whatever, because he's a cop and cops can't just go digging up bodies. Yeah. He's just like, all right, hand me my shovel. <laughs> Cops don't just, they have people to do that stuff. It's its a procedure. So I don't know. The ending was so stupid to me. And it fumbled it. And I was, I was pretty I invested. Said, I, I think there's a better movie in here. There's a better movie within that just wasn't realized. I get you. Like, I think all three of these characters, Jared Leto, Rami Malek, and Denzel Washington, like, all three of them have a better story to tell than the one they told. Like, I, it wasn't that great. No. Which was bummed out, because I'm like, I, these are three awesome actors. Like, I'm very down to see, like, a thriller with these three. Three awesome actors, and they were acting well. It's just the story wasn't up to snuff. Jared Leto, actually, he got a Golden Globe nomination for it. I can see that. Like I said, he was definitely doing some choices. He yeah. was my favorite part. Like, every time Jared Leto was on screen, I found him to be a compelling character. Yeah, he was pretty captivating. He was pretty, but, uh, he was a creepy guy. And yeah. he, hey, the th- you, you don't even know, he might have been the one that did it. Just Denzel never found proof. That's true. It's left inconclusive. Well, yeah. they never will because Remy Malik murdered him. <laughs> yeah, it did. I just, yeah, it was so weird to me that Denzel like sent him that barrette. He's like, "Here you go. We we got our man." I was just like, "Really? Like, you are a bad cop. <laughs> like, he shouldn't be on the force anymore." Yeah. Well. Like they just they covered to, up your murder, and now you're covering up this guy's murder. Just stick to local shit town traffic t- tickets or whatever you're doing. Yeah. So, uh, what would what you would, give the little things? You know, it's a little higher, but I would probably give it a seven, just because, like I said, it did keep me invested right up until the end. So, what would you give it? I think I'd give it a six. I think I'm going like sixes across the board today. Sixes across the like, board? Well, no, I gave I, I gave the dig a two. <laughs> yeah. so. You really hated the dig, man. Which I it just I I couldn't retain any of it. I was so like focused on trying to remember it, and I'm just like, what the fuck happened in this movie? I watched the whole thing, and I just my mind turned off. I don't blame you. Okay, I know we're not talking about the dig anymore. Can I just say one weird thing that the dig did I didn't understand? They had several scenes where it was just, where it would be just two actors and it would just film them sitting there, but it was also them talking, but it wasn't them talking. It was just, you would hear them talking, but the film they showed was just their faces and them not talking as they sat there and stared at each other, which was so confusing and weird. That happened like three times. That. It happened like three times. And I was like, why are they doing this? I'm sorry. I just, yeah, the dig bothered me. Okay. 
Okay. Anyway, the little things, so, seven, six. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, a bit of a down week this week. Not not many, like, bangers. The let's highest hope, we got was other people. Can, uh, can provide the, uh, the excitement next week. Next week we have on Hulu uh, The Tax Collector. Okay. As well as 12 Hour Shift. And on Netflix, Malcolm and Marie. Okay, so it's these are our three main Tax Collector, 12 Hour Shift, and Malcolm and Marie. Yeah, like the only TV show to come out this next week is Firefly Lane with Katherine Heigl. And I'm just like, let's just do movies next week. You don't want to watch the Katherine Heigl show? We could. If, if you want to. I don't know. No, it's I, fine. Like, I did it for your sake. I'm like, I don't think you're going to enjoy this shit at all. It probably wouldn't, but, you know, if it's the show that's coming out, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll, right, we'll, we'll hammer out the details amongst ourselves and come to the people with a finished product. You got it. As, and as for you lovely people, we will see you next week on the Screen Streets.